What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer, and we have John Kegley again on the show today, one of the original members of the Locked On Chargers podcast as it's currently constituted. We are three writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and we've been covering the Chargers now for more than five seasons, doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, and this is our third season now with the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys, well, the adrenaline rush of free agency is over now. The Chargers had a pretty slow weekend. I mean, a a dead weekend, I guess. They did not sign anyone. But they did see two of their former players, two of their former draft picks, end up on different teams over the weekend. So we're going to start with that. And if there's any saltiness, maybe, between the Chargers and those players. And then the second segment, we have some fan voicemails to get into. We have Alex, Zach, and Curtis Loki on today's show. And for everyone else whose voicemails are in there, we still have nine more to get to. We plan on getting to all of them. So if you haven't heard yours yet... Hang with us. We don't want to do voicemails every single show because that's going to annoy people. But we still plan on getting to all those. So make sure to keep calling because we appreciate it. And then we're going to wrap the show up with our mock draft version 3.0. So the last couple of weeks, we gave you our first round pick and then our first and second round picks. This is 3.0. So we're getting into if any changes happen to our drafts because of free agency, and then also getting into who our third round pick is going to be in the mock draft version 3.0. So let's go ahead and get into it. The Chargers slowed down in their attempt to bring in free agents over the weekend, not signing any players, but they did see two of their former draft picks end up on other teams. This is Daniel Wade joined by David Drogemeyer for your Locked On Chargers lead story. The biggest news in the Chargers world over the weekend was that the Broncos decided to bring in former Chargers first round pick, Melvin Gordon on a two-year, $16 million deal with $13.5 million guaranteed. But there was more news after that as Ian Rappaport went on to report that Melvin Gordon had a better offer from another team, but the lure of playing in the same division as the Chargers appealed to him. So this is a little bit funny because the Chargers offered him $10 million per season reportedly. Last year, he turned that down. He wanted something around 13 or 14 now he goes to a division rival for less money and it doesn't really make a lot of sense for me for the Broncos to pick him up or to sign a running back like that to that kind of deal but David it didn't really make sense to me that there'd be any sort of bitterness between Melvin Gordon and the Chargers outside of them signing Austin Eckler but now the Chargers are going ahead with their two running backs they have and Melvin Gordon is officially on another team I mean if anybody should have any bitterness it should be the Chargers organization I mean Melvin Gordon is the one that made the decision to hold out and miss games in the season and potentially hurt the offense. I mean, that was Melvin Gordon's decision on his own. That wasn't the Chargers organization. I mean, they offered him what, you know, ended up being more money than he was going to get in free agency from the Broncos. But, you know, the Broncos are getting a good player. I mean, Melvin Gordon has scored 47 touchdowns in his last 53 games. He's only played 16 games once, but he's never missed more than four games either. So he's been fairly durable for a running back. But you do have to be concerned with some of the injury issues he's had with his knees. That's kind of kryptonite for running backs. He is only 26 years Years old, so he still has some tread left on the tires. But this is a little bit of a mind-boggling move for the Broncos because they already have a very cheap and productive running back in Philip Lindsay, and now they add another bigger running back in Melvin Gordon, who is going to break the 
tackles and try to improve their red zone offense. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what type of player he turns into in Denver. It'll be interesting to see which version of Melvin Gordon shows up because we know what Melvin Gordon got now, but we don't know what he would have gotten last year if he was an unrestricted free agent when he was averaging more than five yards per carry when he scored 14 total touchdowns in 2018. Instead, we're seeing the holdout Melvin Gordon get paid like this in the offseason, but he has gone to a division rival now, and another Chargers player was signed by another team when Jatavis Brown, the Chargers' former fifth-round pick, was picked up by the Philadelphia Eagles on a one-year deal. And this one, David, was expected. The Chargers were not thinking about bringing Jatavis Brown back because he has fallen so out of favor with this coaching staff. He was a player who had a bright and promising future and a steal of a fifth-round pick at one point after his rookie season. But things faded quickly after former defensive coordinator John Pagano left and Gus Bradley took over. A couple of injuries as well, and we just never really saw him get back to that spark that made him so exciting as a rookie. Yeah, I mean, as a rookie, he is incredibly productive. I mean, 79 combined tackles, six pass defense, and three and a half sacks. He was all over the field. He was running sideline to sideline. He was making great plays all over the place. And you were like, man, this guy has a lot of promise. And, you know, he's performed extremely well. And then injuries and a change of a coaching staff and a change of a defense completely changed the type of player he was. And you know, he went from three and a half sacks and almost 80 tackles to 10 combined tackles and only eight solo tackles. He fell very far from grace on this defense and the injuries and missed tackles were the main reason. I think one of the low spots for his season had to be the fake punt that he missed the tackle on and missed the coverage on that would have made a stop on fourth down. But missed tackles were his biggest kryptonite over the last couple years. He was that sideline to sideline linebacker. He was a linebacker who should fit into today's NFL very nicely. A guy who has speed. He was a big upgrade for the Chargers at the position as well. And he was a very proficient blitzer. Three and a half sacks as a rookie. He was a really exciting player. The Chargers thought they had a really good one and the Chargers thought they had one of their linebackers of the future, but things faded quickly. Now he ends up on a one-year prove-it deal in Philadelphia. But we do have two more segments to get into. We're going to get into get into some fan voicemails after this before wrapping the show up with our mock draft version 3.0. All right, guys. Well, we have a ton of voicemails, and let me just come out and say, first of all, thank you guys again for showing us so much support. I know you guys must be going crazy, so I'm glad that we've given you guys the opportunity to call in, have something to do, and get your voice on the show. So if you guys have never heard this segment before, you can call into the Locked On Chargers voicemail line at 323-524-7924, and every Chargers voicemail, unless it's an exact replicate of a different one, gets played on the show. So we have a bunch to get into, but... We have a new caller calling in. This is Alex from Peoria. I love new callers. Let's see what Alex has to say to us this week. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Alex Reams giving you a call from Peoria, Arizona. I'm born and raised in San Diego, lifetime Chargers fan. So uh, first thing, I just want to thank you guys for having this platform. Um, free agency has been a breath of fresh air, to say the least, with all this crap going on. So I'm sitting here self-quarantining in my house just watching free agency. I'm super excited about the blog of training. Uh, a couple of things. First. Now that we have the right tackle short up, um, I say we make a serious run at Trent Williams. I don't think he's going to go for a second. So I think you could package maybe a third-round draft pick and maybe a player. We all know how Tom Celesto sucks at drafting third-round draft picks anyway, so I would rather get one of the best left tackles in the NFL and have a sure thing there. Uh, regardless of who's playing quarterback, now we have an offensive line. I know we might have some contract issues now, uh, having three offensive linemen getting paid over double digits, but... Maybe you can work on restructuring that later down the road. 
And then second of all, with the quarterback position, if you really believe in Tyrod and you make that trade for Trent Williams, what do you guys think about number six grabbing Isaiah Simmons now? If you're really believing in Tyrod, you got the offensive line short up. We have the skill positions already. We do have some holes on defense. But if you pair Isaiah Simmons with Bosa and Derwin James, now we have a team that I believe actually could win with Tyrod as the quarterback. Um, I know it's a big gamble because now you're missing out on grabbing a quarterback at six. The only person I personally would like to see grabbed at six is Tua. I think he's the only one worth taking that risk on. So, Chris, as to what you guys thought about that, um, as always, go Bolts. Stay safe. All right, so this is a hypothetical situation that we've played with a little bit. I won't go through and see what you guys would want to do with Tua and trying to trade up for Tua or trade for Trent Williams. But I think the question here is if you end up going with a left tackle like Trent Williams, would you potentially try to go with Isaiah Simmons at six? David, in previous mock drafts, you have gone with Isaiah Simmons at six, so I'll leave you out of this conversation. But, John, say the Chargers do go get their left tackle in Trent Williams, a guy who gets signed to a few years, get an extension. Now you have both tackle spots filled. Would you consider going with Isaiah Simmons? Because like Alex, you're not convinced on Jordan Levin, Justin Herbert. I might entertain that that situation, actually, because like, like you just said, you're not really convinced that these quarterbacks, even Tua, are going to be your franchise QB. They create a lot of buzz. They look appealing. But when you watch film, when you look up different stats, or if you look up injury history, whatever it is, you're not convinced that this is going to be your guy. Like the year when Sean Watson and Patrick Mahomes, when they were getting drafted, you looked at all those guys and you said, those are money QBs. This year, you don't have that feeling. So I'd be willing to entertain the Isaiah Simmons pick. But I would also think about trading back and getting more picks also. I'd like to entertain that one instead. I would definitely be in favor of trading back, especially if you're not going to get a quarterback that you think is going to be the future of your franchise, or you just don't want to take a guy like Justin Herbert or Jordan Love that early. You go back a little bit, you give your chance at one of those, you give yourself a chance on one of those guys later on, and you're adding additional picks. So Isaiah Simmons is, you know, one of, if not my favorite prospects in this entire draft. I think he's going to make any defense he goes to better depending on how they deploy him. So I would actually like that. I think that if you have a left tackle and a right tackle and you don't obviously need one of those guys, it's not bad to you know have a future at those positions. Neither one of those guys is under 30, so I think that's important as well. But you could afford to spend a later pick to try to develop somebody like you did with Trey Pipkins. It would also give him some more time to see if he's going to turn into anything. But let's get into the next voicemail. This is Zach from Florida who is called in often and is one of our favorite callers because he's always trying to engage with us and we love interacting with you guys. Let's hear what Zach has for us this week. Hey guys, Zach from Florida again. So I don't know if you brought this up already, but so far this offseason, we have gotten a right tackle and Trey Turner. And now we got Brian Bulaga to play right tackle. Do you think this is more of a hint that we are strong considering going for Tua if he falls to us in the draft? Because I would not be opposed to that idea if, if he fell to us, though. If for some reason, he is taken beforehand. I still would like to get Simmons or a left tackle and then possibly worry about a QB in the second round. So just want to get your thoughts on possibly us hinting at getting Tua with the offensive moves that we have made. Bolt up. 
So, David, I mean, this one has to go to you, right? Because this you put something very similar to this on Twitter, and that's the fact that, hey, the Chargers made a significant effort this offseason to go improve the right side specifically of their offensive line. I mean, right now, Trey Pipkins and Dan Feeney are the projecting starting left guard and left tackle, but the right side is now five-time consecutive pro bowler Trey Turner and pro bowler Brian Bulaga as well. So, we have seen this kind of mentioned around anywhere, David, but... Do you think the fact that the Chargers are building up so much on the right side of their offensive line, I'm not going to say means they're absolutely going to do it, but do you think it makes it more likely that they're considering really trying to maybe trade up to draft a guy like Tua because his blind side is obviously the right tackle position? First of all, they need to up, upgrade the offensive line regardless on whether they are going to bring in a left-handed quarterback or not. But does it make it maybe a little more likely or a little bit more comfortable of a thought to bring in a, a rookie left-handed quarterback when you have a solidified right side of the offensive line? Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I think it would make they would probably entertain that thought a little bit more now that they have effective linemen on the right side now. But I don't know if it's just a, you know, a complete telltale sign that that's what they're going to do and let let me remind you guys if the Miami Dolphins want to attack a Vailoa, they can get him they have three first round picks they can make any type of deal that they want to so the only way that the Chargers will get him is if they if the Dolphins are are secretly in on somebody else I would love to, to see the Chargers get to attack a Vailoa. love his talent I've said it many times on this show I don't think it's extremely likely that that's going to happen. I don't see him getting past the Dolphins, but that, I mean, obviously is a great thought. I mean, they had to upgrade the offensive line no matter what, like I said. Yeah, it could have been for Tua, but I don't think he's going to get there. And I would just would say that the the discussion has probably happened. Like, I I don't think that's out of the question at all that, you know, drafting Tua Tagovailoa is a possibility in the fact that if you bring in a rookie quarterback – especially one with the injury concerns of Tua, you would definitely want to have him protected on that right side. I think the Trey Turner thing was more of a Tom Brady thing. Like, hey, you're not going to get pressured up the middle. You're really good about, you know, stepping away from pressure and stepping up into the pocket. So we've solidified that a little bit for you. But I do think that most of the signings just came because of how good of deals that they were and given the rest of the value around the league. And there's obviously the James Camp and Brian Bulaga history and all of that but i do think there's something to it but i wouldn't make too much out of it but we do have one more voicemail to get into this is another recurring caller we have curtis loki who wants to talk about our free agent additions let's see what he has to say hey guys it's curtis loki i uh, just wanted to uh to talk about our uh essentially our free agent additions uh i don't really think we're going to take you know, we're going to find anybody else that's going to be it a high ticket item, I think. I think this about does it. But if you really look at it, we got Trey Turner. We got, uh, which is a, obviously you guys know, he's a guard. We have a uh, offensive tackle, uh, and Brian Balaga. We got a uh, defensive tackle, Linval Joseph, and we got a corner, Chris Harris Jr. I'm stoked right now. I mean, I'm I'm super happy we we're not going to be one of those teams that trade for Cam uh, Cam Newton. I'm super happy we didn't get uh, Tom Brady. Um, I'm very, at this point, I'm more optimistic on now what we do with the six picks. Um, I think it's kind of like, I, I really hope, you know, like everyone else, you know, I hope Tyrod Taylor can at least maybe squeak us in the playoffs because, I, I mean, I, I honestly think with a couple more additions maybe on the defense, um, whether that's free agency or, 
or the draft, man, we're going to be formidable. I mean, Chris Harris Jr. alongside uh, Casey Hayward, we got Desmond King. I mean, if we keep Michael Davis for depth, I mean, that's amazing. Linval Joseph is just a huge bear of a man. Um, the only concern I have there is there's no depth at the defensive tackle position. Yeah, there's Jerry Tillery. Um, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens with our D-line there. But um, I'm, I'm always going to be concerned about depth. And then I would like to bring in another pass rusher, not necessarily through free agency, but uh, I just want to make sure that we're ensuring the idea that if one of these guys get hurt, which, you know, they very well can, we're bringing in depth. But, man, I'm stoked. It gives us a good opportunity to be able to compete uh, defensively, at least. Um, but we'll see what happens with Tyrod Taylor, man. The ball's in his court. Um, I'm kind of, like I said, I'm optimistic with the sixth pick, but I'm really, it's looking more and more like we're going to be going after an offensive uh, lineman, probably a tackle. My only issue with that is we're really going to throw a, a tackle out there uh, uh, to play left tackle in the uh, NFL. That's, that's asking a lot. So, but we'll see what happens, man. I'm stoked. I, I can't wait to hear your guys' next podcast and how you feel about it. All right, go Bulls. All right, so there's a lot to break down there. I'm glad that you like their offseason so far. If you didn't hear the free agency grades, even though you called in after we did that show, obviously we like it a lot as well. But I think more people are growing more comfortable with the fact that Tyra Taylor is going to be the starting quarterback this year. And I don't think it's out of the question at all if he would that he could take them to the playoffs, especially like what you're saying right now. You could make this potentially a dominant defense like we talked about with one of the other callers and Alex. If you have a guy like Isaiah Simmons, you can have a dominant defense that can carry a quarterback like Tyrod Taylor. But at the same time, I think you're right about what you have to do with the rest of the picks. If you use six on a tackle to play left tackle, that is going to be hard for him to come in and be there as a rookie. But I'd still take, you know, a left tackle like some of these prospects over Trey Pipkins and, and let that learning curve happen. But John, one of the things I do really agree with here is just the depth that defensive tackle and pass rusher, because I think that's a really good point that you bring up that not a lot of people are thinking about is just the fact that Melvin Ingram, Joey Bosa, both of those guys are off the books after next season. So even though you've signed Linval Joseph, even though you have two of the premier outside rushers in the NFL, John, there is still a lack of depth because you don't trust Isaac Rochelle. We're still unsure about Nchen and Wosu. I think that right now those are kind of two lower tier needs that are something you have to think about in the future. They definitely are because they are basically the heart and soul of the Gus Bradley defense. And it sounds like the Chargers still want to stick with him. So you're going to have to figure out who's going to be your pass rushers. Because with Gus Bradley's defense, it's not about blitzing and being aggressive. It's about sitting back and letting the off, the defensive line make the plays or, or force the turnover. And if you don't got that defensive line, as you saw last year, that play isn't going to happen. So now that you have the interior line set up for a couple of years, not great, but it's set up. You got a couple of rookies and you got a, a veteran. Now you should probably look into maybe a cheap, a cheap pass rusher or some draft guy. There's a guy from Michigan that I see in the third round. Uche. You could probably, yeah, Uche. I always forget how to pronounce the name. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, yeah, he, he could be a guy you could look at in the third round. There's a, there's a lot of ways the Chargers can go around with this. But one thing I would say is do not spend your first-round pick on it like I've seen some people do with their mock drafts in a lot of Charger groups. Do not spend your first-round pick 
on one unless you're willing to trade on chase on pick. or somebody like that yeah <laughs> unless you're willing to trade the first round pick the sixth spot to move back to like the 24th or 25th pick and do it and in, in the end you get like two or three other draft picks in the second third round and there's no reason mm-hmm. to go after a pass rusher in the first round well, and I think one thing it would make you feel better about if you got a pass rusher is just having some sort of air apparent in the wings because Uchen and Mosu, unless they're going to greatly, you know, unless he's going to greatly see an uptick in his snaps this season, I don't think you're going to know, you know, what you really have in him. I don't think he got on the field enough last year to really know what kind of a player that he is. So I think that those are definitely two more low-key needs from Curtis Loki. I mean, that pun wasn't even intended, but I do think that's something that not a lot of people are talking about right now is the fact that you don't have any negotiation and any contract, that you don't have any leverage, any contract negotiations with Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram right now because who else is there? You know what I mean? Unless you go out and spend in free agency and you don't want to spend on that position specifically. I mean, there's really no answers Outside of Limbaugh Joseph right now, you don't have another nose guard that you feel good about. You really don't have a three technique that you feel great about right now, even with the potential of Jerry Tillery. I think it's a really good point you brought up there, Curtis. But that is going to wrap things up for that segment. We do have one more segment to get into, though, because it's Mock Draft Monday, and we have version 3.0 coming for you right after this. All right, guys. Well, this is something I'm super excited to get into, you guys, because I think this has been a lot of fun doing a Mock Draft Monday Every week until what we thought was going to be right around the draft, but who knows when the draft is going to happen at this point. But still, every Monday we want to do this. We want to add another round to it until we get a full seven-round mock draft from the Locked On Chargers host. So far, we have made it through two rounds. In David's mock draft version 1.0, he went Isaiah Simmons. Second time, he went Isaiah Simmons as well at six, and then he took J.K. Dobbins in the second round. John, in his first one, had Tristan Wirfs. He stuck with that in version 2.0 with Wirfs, the tackle, at 6. And on the second round, he had interior offensive lineman Lloyd Cushenberry from LSU, who would obviously improve this offensive line. But now it's time to talk about not only who the Chargers are going to take in the third round, but also if there's any changes to our first two picks because of what we've seen in free agency. And right now, it's already hit me because I am changing my first round pick Instead of Jedrick Wills, who I still love, I think he's one of the top prospects in the NFL draft. I think he's one of the cleanest tackle prospects I've seen in a while, and I love his attitude. I'm changing it for another guy with attitude because of the Brian Bulaga signing. I just don't know enough about Jedrick Wills to project him as a left tackle in the NFL. I still want to address that if I can. I think he's going to be there, so I'm switching my first-round pick sixth overall to Makai Beckton. And if you guys haven't seen the videos on Makai Beckton yet, look up his highlight film. It's just going to be a big mix and mash of him just putting people in the dirt. He's absolutely giant, 6'7, 364 pounds, and still ran a 5'140. So that just kind of gives you an idea of how well he moves for his size, David, because the Chargers now, I think, need a left tackle. I still would rather put Makai Beckton out there week one, snap one, let him, you know, kind of grow into that role or maybe you know Pipkin starts the first few games and then you bring him in I think that there's so much potential in a guy like Makai Becton I've seen that he's a mix between Trent Brown and Bryant McKinney I mean two of the best tackles ever there's a lot of praise that the 
ceiling for this guy is through the roof. So now that the Chargers got a right tackle, I'm trying to get them a left tackle. Makai Becton is my favorite guy. So much upside. So much physicality, opens up massive holes in the running game, and has a lot of potential in pass protection as well, even though it could be a little bit bumpy moving on. But David, at this point, they have a right tackle. I need to find a left tackle. There's not many more guys with more upside and more ability than Makai Becton, which would make me switch my pick like this. Well, yeah, and whenever you get compared to Tyron Smith, you know, the left tackle of the Cowboys, who's an absolute monster, then you're doing something right, okay? Makai Becton has all of the physical tools, as you mentioned, and yeah, if you put watch his tape, put his tape on, he's pancaking guys left and right in the running game, and he's smooth enough in the passing game to make it work as well, so, and that's a, a guy, you know, depending on what the Chargers do in free agency, I still would love to see them sign Jason Peters to a one-year deal, you know, to be the left tackle to mentor Trey Pipkins, but if they don't, then I would be more than comfortable changing my first round pick to Makai Becton as well. I also would rather see him at left tackle than Trey Trey Pipkins in 2020. Well, and the thing is, I think he comes in and he's a dominant run blocker right out of the gate. I mean, I think he comes in and he's going to give you a physicality and a grit that mixes well with guys like Trey Turner and Brian Bulaga and really just gives you such a, a more physical offensive line and an imposing offensive line. I mean, the guy is absolutely massive and he just throws people out of the way and doesn't really care about hurt feelings. But I'm keeping my second round pick the same. I'm still going with Jalen Rager out of TCU, the wide receiver. David is also still keeping his second round pick. He's sticking with J.K. Dobbins. So he has Isaiah Simmons, J.K. Dobbins. John, you are thinking about changing your second round pick. Well, you skipped me for my first round pick. So. Well, I, I thought you were staying the same. I thought you were sticking with Tristan Wirfs. I, I said at the beginning, I thought you were staying there. I am staying with him, but I am open. I'm also looking at Beckton because I see a lot of mock drafts showing Wirfs going to the Giants early. Right. And if that was to happen, then Beckton is my next pick. I'm going to tackle before I go quarterback in my uh-huh. mind. I've, I have like a like three or four tackles I'm ready to pick before I pick a QB. But second round, I am switching. I've seen him, uh, that Justin Jefferson is in position for the Chargers to pick him in lots of mock drafts, which he wasn't before. And I would love to get him. This is a guy who can perform well in the slot. He can even play outside. He, he didn't show a lot of it in in college, but in college he was playing really good from the slot. We need a slot wide receiver. This guy had a ton of receptions, like 111 at LSU last year. This is a guy who can handle the workload. And when Almost Keenan 20 Allen touchdowns, double- too. <laughs> yeah, when Keenan <laughs> Allen's getting double teamed, if Mike Williams getting caught over the top by a safety, guess who's going to be able to handle the workload because he's already been doing it? Justin Jefferson is. And this guy ran a 4 4 3 40 which even though if you watch film, he doesn't get separation, which is weird to me because he ran a 4-4-3, but the speed is there. So if you can get him the ball and let him run, you could, ha- you could have your slot receiver uh, situation taken care of. Yeah, and what I love the most about Justin Jefferson, and I, you know, I went with Jalen Rager, and I think they bring a lot of the same things to the table. I think it was the opposite of, on Jalen Rager. I mean, you've seen him pull away from guys, and then he goes out and runs a 4-5-40. So I, I think with Justin Jefferson, if he's there – absolutely cool with it and the thing I like about both of them is the ability to make some yards after the catch the Chargers don't have a lot of guys outside of Austin Eckler right now Hunter Henry is not really a yards after the catch guy for the most part Mike Williams isn't Keenan Allen isn't Austin Eckler definitely is 
But you need another guy like that coming out of the slot, even lighting up wide so Austin, so Keenan Allen can get in the slot. Justin Jefferson brings all those things. He scores touchdowns. He makes people miss. He can take a five-yard pass and take it 40 yards. I mean, Justin Jefferson is a very exciting player. And I think when, you know, trying to keep up in the arms race of the AFC West, that you could make a lot worse picks than Justin Jefferson in the second round. But now it's time for the third round. So, David, last week I started with John. This week I'll start with you. Who are you going, knowing that you have Isaiah Simmons and J.K. Dobbins so far? Which direction are you going in the third round? Addressed a couple of needs, you know, with running back and linebacker in the first and second round. And, you know, now I'm kind of looking for my wide receiver. And for me, I've always said throughout this process that I want a guy with some blazing speed. And so when I was looking around in the third round, who did I find? I found K.J. Hamler out of Penn State, the five foot nine hundred and seventy six pound wide receiver who runs a four two seven forty. This guy is an absolute burner. He is called the human joystick. That's his nickname. His uh, his stop and start ability is absolutely incredible. He can outrun anybody on the field. He has incredible speed. 904 yards, 56 receptions, 8 touchdowns last year. Very, very productive. He is a, another yard-after-catch guy. He is a body catcher, which is something that it definitely you know, concerns me a little bit. Uh, he's a little too small. You know, he definitely needs to put a little bit of weight on. Not a lot because I don't want to sacrifice that speed. Uh, but he definitely needs to add a little bit of weight. He is a willing blocker, but he's really just more of a nuisance. You know, he kind of he'll get in the way, but he can easily be moved out of the way. He's not going to win a lot of contested catches, but he can take the top off of any defense. You know, this is the that you know speedy wide receiver that you need to open things up for. Hunter Henry and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Whenever you have a speed, everyone else on every other wide receiver on the field gets open just a little bit easier. Yeah, and I think Chris Trapasso, when we were talking about that Chris Hayre draft podcast, we were talking about who he picked. I think he had KJ Hammer going to the Chargers as well, and he kind of you know made it seem like he was kind of like Travis Benjamin. Obviously, no one wants to hear those comparisons, but for a very slight frame for a smaller guy to take those hits in the NFL, you never really know how that's going to work out. But, you know, he's been compared to guys like Tyree Kill and guys like that. And I don't think he's quite that explosive or twitchy, but at the same time, he can take the top off of defense. He's the guy that can go three or four catches and he ends up with 90 yards and that's his game. You've got to be okay with games like that every once in a while, but definitely an explosive player, definitely fits a big need for the team. So, John, I know you were having trouble with this third-round pick. I had a lot of trouble deciding who I was going to go with till I got a, a pretty fortunate slide in a draft network mock draft, but who are you going to go with or who are you deciding between for your third-round pick for the Chargers? I was deciding between running back Cam Akers and quarterback Jake from. We needed State a Farm. quarterback. Yeah, I, I was waiting for you to do it. I knew <laughs> Wade could not resist with cheesy jokes. The best but, Twitter handle ever, Jake from State Farm. <laughs> but we, we need to we need to get a quarterback in this draft, probably, unless you want Tyrod to be your future as well, because who knows where you're going to be next year. And if you have Jake from or some quarterback you get from this draft to go with Easton Stick after Tyrod's contract ends this year. You have something to build with. And so Jake Frum was someone I was looking into for right now for the third round. But also Cam Akers, who's kind of like another Austin Eckler type. But I would say he's his speed's a little bit more explosive than Austin Eckler's is, but not as elusive as Austin Eckler. 
but you can't you can't have too many weapons at the running back position even though they're all mostly tiny guys you need a powerful guy eventually but if you want a lot of playmakers to match up with the Chiefs offense can makers could fit that offense when I think the Chargers would be a good fit in the sense that he doesn't have to come in and take 20 to 25 carries a game right I mean he is one of the more explosive running backs in open space in this class he has great top end speed he can make people miss I mean even though Austin Eckler that's Obviously, if he doesn't break tackles as well as Austin Eckler, Austin Eckler is so tight and compact, you wouldn't expect it. But this would be a good situation where every guy that you bring in is a home run threat, right? If you're substituting Justin Jackson, Austin Eckler, and Cam Akers, I like that pick in the third round. I think there's a lot of running backs that I would be excited about. I've seen some people going with Zach Moss in the third round as well. He's a pretty good running back who had some disappointing draft results at the Combine. That's neither here nor there, though. I like that pick a lot. I understand if you wanted to go Jake Fromm, State Farm as well. I, I think there's been some overblown things about his arm strength, but I think he could be a, a decent NFL quarterback, probably a backup. But at the same time, if you want to take a third-round chance, Chargers don't really usually ever have it work in the third round. So if you want to throw a third-round pick at it, I'm not going to hate them for it. But now it's time to get to my third-round pick. And there's a few guys I was looking at here. I wanted to address the linebacker position. So I was thinking about Willie Gay Jr. from Mississippi State. I was looking at Troy Dye out of Oregon. I was looking at Malik Harrison out of Ohio State, who reminds me a little bit of Denzel Perryman. And I'm now I'm staying away from it. But the guy I ended up with was somebody who slid to me in a mock draft. And I haven't seen him really go this low. But I don't think it's out of the question because of injury history and concern. But I'm going with Bryce Hall, the cornerback out of Virginia. One of the reasons I think it makes a lot of sense for the Chargers is because Bryce Hall is considered a guy by many draft experts to be a guy that's not going to do great in man-to-man coverage, but would specifically work well in a cover three scheme. And since the Chargers are rolling with Gus Bradley, that's the type of guy you want. I mean, we know that Casey Hayward isn't the best athlete, but he's kind of shielded a little bit by the cover three zone. Same with Richard Sherman and guys like that. They're still great cornerbacks, but certain guys fit differently in certain schemes. So one of the things he has that Gus Bradley likes, six foot one. 200 pounds, long arms. I mean, that's going to get Gus Bradley drooling right off the start. But the better thing is for him is this is a guy that has great instincts and knows when to jump on routes. And that's in a zone defense. You want a guy that is going to be able to jump these routes, stop on a dime, come up and make the tackle. And that's the other reason I really loved him is because he's not afraid to make tackles. He's a feisty tackler. He's a guy that doesn't mind throwing his body around and really getting in on the contact. And when you have Michael Davis, these are things that you learn to really appreciate. So some of the major red flags and and reasons why it wouldn't happen potentially is because he did end his last season with an ankle injury. He only played in six games. I think he did have four passes defense and three and a half tackles for us in those six games. So it's not like he wasn't producing. He's not the elite athlete and the Chargers have taken chances on guys like that before. And he doesn't have great ball skills, but I would say that he does get his hands on a lot of balls. I think he has 22 passes defended in college, which is a pretty big number for college football. So I really like what I saw out of Bryce Hall from Virginia. I don't necessarily think he's going to get there to the Chargers, but he's the guy that would fit really well in Gus Bradley's zone scheme. And I think he's someone that could push Michael Davis day one. And that's really what we want to come out of this, especially if it's a later pick. Have somebody that's going to potentially push Michael Davis off of the field. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. That is our mock draft version 3.0. We had to fit it in to one segment. We appreciate you guys bearing with us. But until next time, make sure you follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page LockedOnChargers as well as subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there. 
But that is going to wrap things up for today, guys. If you guys want to be the next caller on the Locked On Chargers voicemail line, make sure to call 323-524-7924. We have a bunch in the bank, and we're still going to get to them. But we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Until then, take it easy, and go Bolts.